You are in the ring with Hector Colon, seven-time national boxing champion turned nonprofit president and CEO. Hector knocks out the big issues facing social services today with high-impact leaders from around the U.S. In the Ring is a creation of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan and is produced by No Studios. And now, here's Hector Colon. Hello, 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 and welcome to In the Ring with Hector Colon, the show that gets real about the challenges facing the social services sector and the people we serve. Here's the bottom line. Pay is not commensurate to the value our colleagues provide society. Programs and policies are not evolving quick enough in order to address the true needs and whole needs of the people we serve. And the financial viability of our sector is in jeopardy. It's not a fair fight. That's why this year we're going to take on these challenges with, with individuals at the center of these challenges, true champions who are willing to get into the ring with me. And today I have the honor and privilege to be joined by the Wisconsin's governor, Tony Evers. He and I are going to talk about the issues and challenges that we're facing in Wisconsin, but more importantly, how we're going to knock out those challenges. I also want to share with everybody that I invited Tim Michaels, who initially was interested in participating, but to this date has not secured a date for us to be on the podcast. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to have that interview. But again, uh, Governor Evers, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be with us today. And as my coach Shorty used to say, let's go, champ. <laughs> let's go, champ. Thanks so much. <laughs> Good to be here. So just a little bit about our governor. Uh, governor Evers is the 46th governor of Wisconsin. He's a long-life Wisconsinite, and he was raised in Plymouth, and he's also a UW alum. Uh, over three decades, he has uh, over three decades of experience in public education. Uh, he served as the state superintendent of uh, public instruction, winning statewide elections in 2009, 13, and 17. Governor Evers declares that he has cut income taxes by 15% for most Wisconsin families and has directed close to a billion dollars to tens of thousands of small businesses and nearly half of eligible farms. He and his wife, our first lady, uh, Kathy Evers, also an educator, have three adult children and nine grandchildren. The two of them met in kindergarten and had their first date in, in, in junior prom and have been married for more than 40 years. Governor Evers, at some point, wanted to get you back on the podcast so you could share your secrets about being together for 40 years. Well, thanks. Kathy's initiatives. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Hector, we're, we're this this year is actually 50 years. Oh, 50 years. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the correction. Uh, and Kathy's initiatives focus on social and emotional learning, mental health, and dementia. Okay, Governor, are you ready for round one? Yeah, I am ready for round one, Hector. Great. So, Governor, uh, what are your top three challenges, uh, uh, top three priorities uh, for your health and human services agenda? And what do you believe will have the greatest impact on the health and well-being of all Wisconsinites? Yeah, that, that's a difficult question. There's many of them. And, and you know, the, the way the politics works these days, getting everybody to agree on three. But I'll just tell you where I'm at. First of all, 
we have to expand Badger care. You know, by expanding access to affordable health care, that would be expand, expanding Medicaid. We can we can bring better affordable health care to, well, I'd say the number is about 100,000 Wisconsinites. It, it, well, it, well, at the same time, after realizing hundreds of millions of dollars in cost savings, expanding Badger care, which means Medicaid expansion, would also help us address a wide array of health equities stemming from a lack of access to regular care and screening. So expanding Badger care is something that's really important. And frankly, we're only one of 12 states in the country that have not done that. Really, it's a political issue, but we're, we're gonna continue working on that. Now, expanding school mental health services absolutely has to be the second one. During the pandemic, as you likely know in your position, the pandemic really impacted our kids in a real negative way, especially around their mental health issues. And so we've already invested $30 million in our Get Kids Ahead initiative, which is helping nearly every district in the state provide additional um, uh, mental health services. And uh, I've already made a commitment in my next budget, we're going to be you know, more than doubling down on that. We're gonna invest at least 250, excuse me, $40 million uh, in this initiative. And it's gonna be a categorical aid. So we anticipate that this will be an ongoing effort and, and um, uh, obligation for, for the state of Wisconsin to make sure that it's just not a one-off thing. And no matter what, uh, you know, whether we are moving out of the pandemic or not, and clearly it's COVID-19 still impacting people's lives. But um, mental health issues need an ongoing uh, revenue source for our kids. And the last one, I'm going to take a flyer on. There's so many, but addressing the opioid epidemic. Um, it has taken a huge toll on folks across the state. And we know that substance misuse has gone up over the last few years through the, through the pandemic. But my administration has been taking a number of steps to kind of combat that crisis, such as implementing a pilot hub and spoke uh, model of care that and, uh, and roughly investing $47 million of ARPA funds, the federal funds, to increase community level supports for people dealing with substance use challenges. And uh, we're planning uh, for the distribution of hundreds of millions from the opioid settlement dollars to local governments over the next 18 years. So I think those are the three most important ones that uh, come to mind, but there's there's many more that we need to worry about. Thank you very much, uh, Governor Evers. And uh, I agree that those priorities you outlined are are really important. You know, expanding individual access uh, to healthcare, uh, specifically mental health, uh, is something so important uh, today. I'm so glad that you're talking about uh, school-based mental health and your your desire to expand that, uh, but also having a continuing effort on that. I believe that you know that's the perfect program because it's prevention, it's it's holistic, it's early intervention. So let's give those kids a chance to succeed early in life versus waiting for a crisis uh, later on. So I, I really appreciate that. And obviously, the opiate uh, epidemic is is a really uh, tough issue that that warrants attention and focus. And I am so thankful for uh, the state support for our Aspen Center, uh, that's a drug and alcohol treatment facility for men and women. 
And you and the state and Health and Human Services played a significant role in helping us get that up and running. So, so thank you. So, and thank you for sharing those priorities. Are there any new or growing programs that um, uh, need greater funding? Uh, and why do you think they need greater funding? And how would you approach the funding for some of those newer things while maintaining uh, existing funding? Yeah, absolutely. And as as you may know, Hector, the um, uh, our, our budget, uh, because of frankly some wise uh, uh, investments during the pandemic, we have a we have a significant balance in our in our state of Wisconsin, five billion dollars. It's actually more than that. But at the end of the, so at the end of the day, we're hoping to invest in some things that for far too long we uh, we've passed the buck on, uh, and some really important issues ranging from healthcare to transportation to education. Uh, there's probably too many to list here right now, but as far as investments in social services and, and the health and well-being of our state, as I mentioned before, obviously increase our funding for mental health services, not only for kids, but you know, our veterans. Uh, we've, for years, we've had uh, uh, mental health funding for farmers, uh, even though it's a, a pittance, but uh, uh, all that money has been used, and and those uh, dealing with substance use uh, disorders. So we've used our ARPA funds to start doing that. Now, hopefully, what we we're hoping to do is uh, in this next budget is to invest in shared revenue, uh, which is obviously something that most people don't hear about or understand, mainly because the legislature hasn't put any additional money into it for years. Uh, I propose in both of my budgets some significant increases in shared revenue, uh, which say would zeroed out by the uh, by the legislature. But short shared revenue goes to local communities for them to fully fund essential services and the needs in their community, like EMS, public health, human services. These are the folks who are on the ground in our communities and uh, doing some really really important work. And and for the last decade or so, even more than that, we've been asking them to do more with less. And at the end of the day, that doesn't work. And it's not just about public safety. There's no question about that issue. But just to paint this picture of this problem, according to the Fiscal Bureau, since 2011, state aid to communities have been cut by more than 9%. Cut and, and think about the public safety cost at, at the same time increases 16%. And according to the, the needs and, and the costs around health services and, and social services easily uh, has increased and have been impacting. So how can we expect local communities to continue doing their good work when that amount of money has been flat for a decade? It's irrational. So that's why I oppose our proposed increases last time that we were knocked out of the budget. Uh, we, but in, in this next year, we will be um, uh, asking for a 4% uh, uh, raise in every year of the budget, which actually in budget terms is a 12% increase in shared revenue over the biennium, as well as uh, a $10 million supplement for public safety. So that'd be an investment of over $100 million. And that is absolutely, uh, it's, it's, is a top priority of me, for me. The difficult work, as you know, happens at the local level. And if we expect the local level 
you know, they send us tax tax money, and we don't provide any near the money back that they should they should get. So that's an investment. It's a top priority going going forward. Thank you, Governor, and for your commitment uh, and shared revenue, and specifically uh, mental health. Uh, these are really important commitments that um, I'm I'm proud to hear you say you you want to take on. Uh, but it's a challenge uh, in government. Um, you know, right now we may be heading towards a recession. Um, you know, there's a lot of stimulus dollars that came out. Uh, will that be sustainable? Uh, unlikely. And so there, are, I know there's a lot of challenges that you will have as you continue to navigate this process. Uh, last question in, in just 30 seconds, if you could share, you know, because government can't do it by itself, right? Uh, where does... Uh, you know, private donations and philanthropy and corporate responsibility play a role in this uh, equation. It always will. There's no question whether we're in a pandemic or whether we're in inflation or or uh, we're in the best of times. That's what we've done. That's why during the pandemic we worked with private healthcare systems and hospitals to build new clinics and and day mental health stabilization centers to working with employers to provide childcare for their employees, to developing partnerships between employers and labor unions and tech colleges to access job training and apprenticeships. In fact, most of our ARPA-funded programs, the Neighborhood Investment One, the Equitable Recovery, Workforce Innovation, the Infrastructure Grant, many of those projects are public-private partnerships uh, are stepping up to health. we have to make sure that we're doing our part at the state level and making sure we make those investments, but it's an all hands on deck issue. Thank you, Governor. Uh, That completes round one. In round two, we're gonna talk about the rise of behavioral health challenges in Wisconsin, specifically mental health and addiction. And we wanna find out what the governor's plan is uh, to provide better access for timely effective treatment uh, of its residents. But first, A word from our sponsor, we're so thankful to them, M3 Insurance. Supporting your employees is more than a paycheck and 401k. It's just a fact. People today are at a higher risk of experiencing mental illness, housing insecurity, and substance abuse. Do you know the health of your employees, your communities? How can you step up your benefits? to better address their well-being. M3 Insurance helps businesses see beyond basic benefits and support employees where they live. It's a meet-them-where-they-are approach that LSS delivers to their clients every day. M3 and LSS offer real solutions to now commonplace realities that strengthen employees and inspire communities to thrive. Test your employee benefit strategy now by going to m3ins.com. All right, Governor, you ready for round two? I'm still standing, sir. We alluded to this a little bit uh, in round one, Governor, but just the fact around uh, those that experience uh, behavioral health issues, uh, they're on Medicaid, and it's a real challenge uh, to make sure that they have access to a provider. I know when I was director of health and human services at Milwaukee County, I would hear of individuals that had uh, access to Medicaid, 
but couldn't find a mental health provider sometimes up to a year. And so that access really wasn't uh, access. So I want to start off by with that question. Why is access so important? Well, it, it is because, first of all, we just have to accept this fact, and this is hard for some folks to do. Mental and behavioral health healthcare is healthcare. It's, it's, it's part of our healthcare system, whether it's private, public, whatever. And so ensuring everybody has access to mental and behavioral health care is important because it's necessary for building strong and healthy communities. And we saw it during the pandemic. It made people that had mental health issues and behavioral health issues made it worse due to isolation, financial stress, and even grief from losing a loved one uh, for their neighbor. So while we've come a long way to reduce that stigma around it, it can still be hard for a lot of folks to talk about their mental health, much less take the state, uh, step of seeking it out. Lack of access shouldn't be another barrier for them to have to overcome. We've always, we've always worked to invest in improving access to quality, affordable care, especially mental health services, and now is uh, now's the time even more urgently to uh, uh, to to deal with this issue and to re, 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 you know get over those stigmas uh, due to the pandemic. Thank you, Governor. You know one of the uh, challenges around access, uh, I believe, are relating to the reimbursement uh, through Medicaid, and so the reimbursement is significantly low. Uh, I think lower than than some other states or many states, and that's that prevents barriers uh, for those providers to be able to provide those services uh, to to those most in need. Uh, do you have any thoughts around increasing um, the rates of reimbursement for Medicaid to to improve that access? Absolutely. Uh, this may surprise you, or you may say, "Well, it's typical." We'll see. In my last budget, I proposed a 40% increase in reimbursement rates for outpatient services for mental health and substance abuse. Uh, Republicans cut that down to 15%. Of course, you know, that's better than no increase at all, but we're going to continue working to make sure that those uh, investments needed uh, to close these gaps. And I, I just want to cycle back around the issue of access, too, because it, it is one that's really important. And one of the things that obviously we found out during the pandemic and we, we started investing in it with federal funds is the whole issue of telehealth services for kids and adults uh, there, you know, so that folks can call a health care provider, counselor at home, at school, at the local library, so they can access uh, uh, access the the you know, the services uh, in a in a way that works. Actually, uh, I I util utilize telehealth during the pandemic for several doctors' appointments, and uh, uh, it 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 saved me lots of time and effort. And I know that it's worked very well in the mental health and substance abuse areas, also. Absolutely, yes. Thank you. You know, Governor, let's talk about uh, social determinants of health. Uh, so clearly, the research shows that. It is really the social determinants of health factors that really improve the health and well-being of those uh, in Wisconsin. So when we talk about social determinants of health, just for our audience, we talk about housing and food security and, and transportation and medical and jobs. You know, all of those things are really what improves the health and well-being. Um, so tell us a little bit more 
about your thoughts around that? And will you have a strategy that focuses on the broader social determinants of health? Yeah, and, and that is around con connecting the dots. I use that term all, a lot of time in, internally. And uh, uh, it's just, a, for me, it's a fancy way of talking about connecting the dots and housing, air quality, water quality, access to good jobs and good schools. And and even within those those areas, also connecting the dots. And I'll use affordable housing as an example. There's all sorts of re uh, research around the issue of making sure, uh, you know, how important affordable housing is, but also, you know, having someone on site at the affordable housing, kind of a navigator that can get get people to, you know, whether it's a health issues or whether it's a, a justice issue, you name it. But it's clear that if we look at the research, there's all sorts of ways that we need to connect the dots. And that's just a small one, but whenever we do an affordable housing project, we really encourage the, the folks that are use, using our funds to make sure that those navigators are on site. One of the other things that we're doing is with our Office of Environmental Justice. We created this office at the rec recommendation of um, our task force on climate change. It's focused directly on how climate change and environmental issues are disproportionately impacting communities of color. We've also made numerous uh, investments that directly address the significant health in inequities that are holding our, our, our cities, uh, communities back. And DHS has been leading an ongoing work around the issue of reducing infant and, and maternal uh, mortality. And just this week, uh, we, we did another uh, $16 million investment to close gaps in maternal and health, uh, child health outcomes in collaboration with the Medical College of Wisconsin. And so I, I, I believe connecting those dots is exceedingly important because if, if we grab it, I, I, I'm not belittling any comments that I made or you made it or others, but grabbing at that shiny object and thinking, okay, we got that taken care of, it just isn't enough, you know, whether it's around transportation or transit. You know, we have to have a good transit program so that people can either go to work, go to a doctor's appointment. All those things are important. We're investing in them the best we can, and we did a lot of that during the pandemic. Thank you, Governor. And, and also for your uh, just your commitment to affordable housing, and you talk about the navigator you know, when I was at uh, Milwaukee County, we initiated the Ending Chronic Homelessness Initiative, which ended up saving Medicaid $2.1 million by providing a home uh, to those that really needed it. Uh, and with no requirements, we just wanted to love them, care for them, and made sure they had, they had a safe place. And the outcomes were pretty remarkable. Not only did it save the state money, but it also saved our behavioral health system almost a million dollars as well. Uh, so thank you for your continued support and efforts uh, on that. Um, you know, on this question about social determinants of health, you know, are there better ways that healthcare and the social services sector can better collaborate? You know, social determinants of health is what we do. It's mm -hmm. what we live and breathe. It's, it's, it's what we've done for many, many, many years. It seems like healthcare is starting to get into this space. Uh, do you believe that's a good idea or should we collaborate with them um, so that we can uh, keep our expertise and do what we do best uh, through that collaborative effort? What are your thoughts around that? 
Yeah, and, and within social services is a great example of that, Hector. Uh, an organization that's providing direct mental and behavioral health care, but they're also connecting folks to other things they need to thrive, like housing. So it, it's, the, it's not helpful for us to be siloed in our work. There's no question about that. So we've encouraged interagency partnerships among our cabinet, especially. Uh, that's been really important. And, you know, at the state level, we're, you know, we're, we, we're a bureaucracy, and that's, I'm not saying that in a negative way, but we're also making sure that our cabinet agencies, children and families, and, and uh, other, you know, whether it's DWD, workforce development, health services, they're all working together. And actually, Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation's taken a lead also. So we see people working together and making sure that they're addressing people's needs in a holistic way. So we need to do more of that, no question about that. Uh, but I'd also like to see more healthcare organizations and social services organizations partnering together, connecting the dots like you do in your in your world at uh, LSS and um, making sure folks are getting the wraparound services and other care that they need. Thank you. You know, we have some great uh, collaborations with some health systems and we want to continue to expand that uh, all across the state. So we look forward to doing that to improve the health and well-being of those uh, amongst us. All right, Governor, that completes round two. In round three, uh, the governor and I are going to be uh, talking about preventative care, reimbursement, and outcomes related to behavioral health care for individuals in Wisconsin, regardless of where they live. Ready for round three? I'm still standing. So... What are your thoughts around uh, paying for outcomes uh, versus quality uh, and individual contracts based on the cost of services? And uh, I'll share a few words first. You know, when I was at uh, the Milwaukee County as the Director of Health and Human Services, I was starting to move in this direction uh, to pay for outcomes and quality. And my desire was to pay more for those that had better outcomes, but I wasn't able, quite able to to finish that project because uh, then I ended up moving over to LSS. But what are your thoughts, overall thoughts around paying for value and for outcomes versus for the cost of service? Yeah, and to be honest with you, Hector, I just think um, there's benefits and disadvantages to uh, to either approach. And I know there's still a lot we can learn and and. Uh, from other places uh, that have implemented programs based on outcomes rather than contracts. You know, for example, there's certainly some instances where it could make sense, particularly in the wake of a pandemic. Uh, we saw a lot of need for flexibility in contracted services like shifting to virtual communications and telehealth and so on. But as a state, we also have to work on being accountable to and transparent around taxpayer dollars, which is something that's important to me as governor um, and as taxpayers, frankly. So we have a responsibility to make sure any approach we take is transparent and accountable while also balancing the need to, frankly, meaningfully uh, measuring outcomes and the quality of those outcomes. So no matter what approach we take, and I'm not necessarily um, I'm trying to avoid this, the, your answer, but it's important to me that we follow the science and that we use every tool we can to 
have to make sure critical services are getting to folks and that they uh, that they need and that taxpayers are being used effectively and efficiently. My guess is at some point in time we will be able to uh, work on the uh, the outcomes thing in a more more uh, broadly and important way. Great. Governor, how does your agenda uh, focus on prevention services? You know, prevention uh, is hard to measure, right? But very necessary uh, to move towards an upstream approach versus a crisis approach. What are your thoughts around that? And what is your commitment on prevention? Yeah, obviously, it, it, it's it's important if we don't want to overload the system with essentially uh, repairing uh, repairing folks and, uh, and 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 dealing with folks that have such, such chronic and difficult lives that uh, they're living. So prevention is really important, but it is again about connecting the dots. And we hit we hit a lot on on those today, whether it's job training, child care, so folks can get to work, affordable housing, a, a good uh, obviously a good public uh, public education system. Telehealth. Addressing all, all these issues is a critical uh, way to move our state forward, and it's around uh, prevention, and it's in and of itself. So, in particular, it'll be, we can look at the way we've uh, invested in substance use prevention and treatment, so that people can live healthier, more productive lives. We've we've dedicated millions of dollars towards addressing substance use disorders and healing in our community, and. A significant portion of that has gone towards prevention services and activities. You know, for example, we put $9 million uh, this last year to 23 county agencies and five tribal nations to uh, uh, provide prevention services through uh, the federal state opioid response grant. And we've uh, piloted a new model of care called Hub and Spoke, which has been successful in other states to ensure Folks get the full spectrum of services they need at home. At home. Um, uh, as I mentioned previously, we want to expand Badger Care to ensure Wisconsinites can access affordable health care, and that in and of itself will be preventative. So clearly we have to do that. I know a lot of times we end up in the fix-it stage, but if we look at these issues holistically, prevention programs, whether it's opioids, alcohol, tobacco, other drugs. Um, we've provided that that uh, resources for that, and we're going to continue doing that. All right, Governor. Now it's the most important question. How are you knocking out, How or how have you been knocking out 2022, both personally as well as professionally? Well, yeah. <laughs> It has been quite a year, and uh, as I mentioned before, one of the highlights was I celebrated. Kathy and I celebrated our fiftieth wedding anniversary this year, which uh, pretty jazzed about that. Otherwise, we're spending twenty twenty two pretty much the way we have in the last seven years as governor. I I love traveling all over the state and talking to folks in every communities how they're doing, what we've accomplished, what we can do at the state level to uh, uh, improve their lives, and. And, and beyond just last year, I'm, I'm proud we've been able to get through this pandemic in a really important way. Obviously, it's still there. People have to be safe. But in pl- making important investments in education, housing, health care, substance use uh, prevention and treatment, in addition to providing a, a billion dollars in supports to small businesses, 
in our economic recovery. We brought broadband over 387,000 people in the city, or households, not people, households, and improving lots of roads and highways. So it's been a great couple of years for me personally and professionally. Still standing. We've got a lot more work to do, and I'm excited to get to work. All right. Well, thank you, Governor. I think you knocked it out. Really appreciate your time. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hector, and have a great day. You too. All right. That was a great show with our governor. I want to give a little bit of a recap. You know, he talked about his priorities, uh, specifically Badger Care and expanding Medicaid. And he talked about how doing that is the right thing to do because those are individuals that need that support and care. But it's also smart. And there's cost savings that I think we will realize as a result of moving towards that. He talked about school center mental health and how he wants to advance this uh, by $40 million and his commitment to continue funding um, over the, the next years is really impressive. You know, another priority he talked about is the opiate epidemic. And I shared with him how we were so thankful to receive support from the state uh, and the legislature uh, to help get up Aspen Center in Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin. He talked about mental health for veterans, for kids, and we need health and transportation and education in order to fully uh, realize our potential. He talked a lot about ac access. Uh, he said that behavioral health is healthcare. And uh, we agree at uh, LSS and behavioral health is so important right now. So many people are struggling with mental health and addiction. And now more than ever, it's really important to put the resources forward to address those challenges. Something I did not know, he uh, proposed to increase Medicaid by 40%, but he was uh, lucky to collaborate with the legislature last year to get a 15% increase, and he wants to continue to propose more increases on Medicaid reimbursement again, which will be so helpful for those providers uh, to make sure that they can serve individuals who have insurance, who have incredible odds stacked up against them and need support now. They can't wait uh, another year or six months. Uh, talked a lot about telehealth and how that's a vehicle to serve. We talked a lot about social determinants of health, and the governor described it as a way of connecting the dots. Affordable housing, he talked about climate change, uh, health equity. Uh, we talked about collaboration and collaborating. The governor shared how he's trying to get his cabinet secretaries to collaborate across agencies, which is so important uh, to share common goals, uh, to share resources, and also to share an approach that will yield the biggest and best impact uh, for all of Wisconsinites. So I'm, I'm, we're happy to hear uh, that that is happening. We talked a little bit about moving towards a value-based approach uh, of reimbursement. And the governor was honest. He said that there's benefits uh, to that, but there also are some challenges. So I got the impression that he thinks value, and but, but cost of of reimbursement uh, services also 
is something that he thinks uh, is of value as well. Talked a lot about prevention, and I like the way the governor shared his thoughts about how we are overloading the system today by not uh, focusing on prevention. So that was a, a good insight. And last but not least, I want to just uh, thank the governor for his 50 years of marriage. And uh, he and we want to celebrate that with him uh, and his wife as a very big accomplishment. And again, at some point, uh, Governor Evers, we'd like to learn more about how you were able uh, to do that. So with that said, uh, thank you so much. Next, I'm going to get in the ring, not, not with one, but with two sector CEOs whose notable leadership has secured recognition by one of the most largest and most respected health and human service networks in the United States, Lutheran Services in America. We will hear about their expertise and experience in innovation that addresses complex business issues, justice and equity in our work with one another, and growth through mentorship using servant leadership tenants and tools. You can find out about more within the ring with Hector Colon podcast and all of our episodes and our website at lsswis.org slash in the ring. Let us know what you think about this show and what you want to see in future episodes. Like, follow, and share at LSSWIS on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of these important conversations in the future. All right. Thank you, Governor Evers, and to all of our listeners. Until next time, con mucho cariño, with much affection. Bye.